in the contact that takes place, there is an impression. And in the impression, there is a perception, sanya. I recognize it, whatever that might be. And there will be some feeling, pleasant or unpleasant, there. Whether I'm the Buddha of the Buddhas, or whether I'm just Joe Bloggs in the high street, eyes open, perception and feeling will arise. What I begin to make of it enters, as the Buddha said, so fast he can't give a simile. So the perception and the papancha can be simultaneously, or the perception can be there in the first moment, it's quite clear, and then subsequently the papancha arises, or simultaneously. And that's quite clear from the discourse of the Buddha. This bare perception, and then what we begin to make about uh, it, arises in numerous situations in life. And it's an extraordinary exploration because when we hear of Yoniso Manasikara, wise attention, it really is an encouragement for us to see if we can be clear at the point of contact. That means that you see, you hear, you smell, you taste, you touch, you're the Buddha of the Buddhas, and you see, you hear, you smell, you taste, you touch, and you feel, and you perceive, and you recognize, and you acknowledge. But in the dynamic of it, we begin to build. Every advertisement, and I think we had some alarming figures here about television and violence and uh, what's coming out about television screens or every advertisement or whatever, is an awful situation for us as vulnerable creatures of the earth because we're so susceptible to impressions that we get the idea, which means the papancha, I need and I must have. And this impact of all of this gives us the idea something is lacking because I don't have. And it's so intense that though we may say, and we may feel, and we may know, I'm not really interested in materialism, I'm not really interested in consumerism, but as the Buddha uses a strong word, he says assailed, it means assaulted. We're assaulted with all this, pouring in. And we are assaulted within ourselves, which constantly generates this feeling of lack of, absence of. And we live in poverty consciousness. I don't have enough. I need more. I have a lack of. If only I had. If only I had. What the heck does that mean? And the movement that goes on 
or the papancha, that one's life could be lived being driven along towards having and getting, getting love, getting attention, getting goods, getting prestige, getting position, getting authority, whatever. And we could be driving ourselves along in this way, not realizing we are in the spell of projections. We are in the spell of the proliferation or the production of lots of thinking that if I secure this, it will fill this hole. Unfortunately, what was that term that you used in education? An empty bucket? Empty, empty bucket theory. The empty bucket theory. Well, this is the empty bucket theory as well, but in this empty bucket theory, the bucket's got a bloody big hole in the middle. And all the attempts to fill our life up to get what we want, it goes in, and it goes through, and we still feel empty. Not in any healthy way. The life becomes an empty life. Constant searching for satisfaction, trying to get something to fill the hole, and the effect of it is it is unfillable because there is a hole in this bucket. <coughs> it's called neurosis. It's called madness. It's, this is madness. And this madness is going to destroy our species unless it changes. This madness of Papancha is going to destroy Mother Earth and all sentient beings due to investment in objects with features, with characteristics, with what is not there. And therefore it's, it's a constant wanting and destruction. Socially, the politicians' minds are filled with it, the economists' minds are filled with it, the corporate minds are filled with it, all telling us growth, 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 growth. And never looking at the resources, never looking at the capital called Mother Earth. It's all perpetual. It's a merciless projection. Take something to look, wow, what's my part in all of this? Another area which goes with it is a second area that goes with it is with regard to views. And the way this tends to show itself, because we want to look at views and sometimes the proliferation the production, as I said earlier, a 
thinking, thinking, thinking. But one of the ways that it shows itself for us is sometimes we have to look at the view and its consequence. One thing. The view and its impact. The view and its consequence. Sometimes we have to look as well at the view and the relationship to it in the form of holding. And this is a difficult one. Quite often, in the uh, beloved, nice Buddhist world, there is lots of useful emphasis, and I think we have to look at this rather carefully, on looking at views and opinions. What can happen is, there is a fear of sounding judgmental. And this hesitation, born of the fear, can stop one expressing views clearly. Because one is afraid, having looked a lot at the judgmental mind, whatever it might be, rather afraid of sounding judgmental, rather afraid of sounding out one's views and views about things. And not surprisingly, in other worlds of our good species, where views are paramount, called politics, called social life. Sometimes I hear my dear Buddhist friends, including teachers, who seem painfully shy of having a view about something. Oh, it's just a view. Or, and, uh, and so, when we had, at Beattenberg, a meeting, one of the questions was asked about the relationship to war. And rather, Sadly, in a way, we were given we were given a minute or two each, so we went around about thirty teachers. And one of my memories—I'm not saying I'm completely accurate—but one of my memories of it was how much there was some hesitation to express the view. Well, I've not really thought about it. What? Well, there could be occasions when war is necessary. We heard earlier on today the uh, view arising. Well, would it have been the right thing to do to assassinate Herr um, Adolf Hitler during the 1930s, uh, etc.? So the mind creates uh, a view, and then there's a hesitation. Well, I'm not sure, not really, etc. First link in the Noble Eightfold Path is called right view or clear view. It's not called undecided view, muddled view, confused view, or I don't really know what to say view. But that's what we often get. Tragic. Tragic. The Buddha makes an extraordinarily bold statement. I, I can still remember hearing it when I was a monk. And it sounded so 
second seat is so off the wall. I, I remember it's mine. The Buddha said, I can almost you know, hear some of us who are smaller side here, I would say sometimes, two and a half thousand years ago. But when I'm in Buddha Gaya, I can say, last year with the Buddha. When I'm in Sarana, I can, I can breathe the same cells as the, as the good man. He feels very close. And always, because of this, for so many years now, always the voice, always right behind me. Not that I necessarily express anything too clearly, but it's extraordinarily close. So the Buddha makes this statement. He says, I am not in dispute with the world, but sometimes the world is in dispute with me. I am not in dispute with others, but sometimes others are in dispute with me. <laughs> Whoa! That's a pretty bold thing to say. Then look at myself, poor human being walking on the earth. Yeah. That, I know the difference too. And have been in plenty of situations in life, as I'm sure many of you have, whereby there is a difference of view. So he, she, they, expressing their view. And I know, Christopher, well enough to know whether I'm in dispute or in conflict with the person or whether I'm not. I can feel it. There's a definite, definite qualitative feeling inside the cells that tell me I'm in conflict, I'm in an argument, or whether I am simply expressing a view which may be received and it may not be. It may be understood and it may not be. But I know I can put hand on heart and, and know I am not in dispute. Even though we are speaking two different ways about the same subject. And I know the feeling inside the cells when the self arises that with this papancha emerging into the moment and there's a conflict. Difference, significant difference. It doesn't mean to say that, oh, well, we're both right. This is always a nice cop out. We're both right, maybe. <laughs> or another popular one liner is, well, there are many ways to look at the same thing. Oh, okay, okay. Another one is, oh, you have your view and I have my view, yeah. and we're both right. <laughs> this is all avoiding. It's a nice, comfortable one-liner. Or as, or as um, someone uh, in India, we was chairing a, a meeting of NGO workers in the field in, uh, in Bihar, in Bodhgaya. And so one Oh, in my work in the villages, I keep reminding people that there are uh, many, many truths. Or one that's used in the uh, conflict resolution circles, 
quite a lot, is um, everybody has a slice of the truth. Some, of course, have a bigger one than the other, but anyway. <laughs> exactly. This is, it's a nice thought. It's a nice way to there. But I'm not quite sure whether or not it's how things really are. And it isn't easy for us, as men and women on the earth, to look and say, what is the view that I have? In the Zen tradition, there is a great reminder to us. The Buddha has also used it, the Zen tradition has recognized it. It's called original mind. Original mind. 